We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me, as always, the great Australian, Jack Manuel. A lot of news to talk about today, Jack. How are we doing? Man, uh, brain exploded last night, Nicholas. <laughs> Somehow picked it up off the floor, put it back in my head, and uh, let's talk some Jimmy Butler news. Uh, wild stuff. Yes, we got Jimmy Butler news. We also have news about the Brooklyn Buzz itself. Big news, we're partnering up with Nets Republic, so you'll be able to find us on their website, on their Twitter feed as well. Also get a lot of Nets Republic staff, especially Nick Letourneau on the Brooklyn Buzz. So really excited about that. They've been producing some really nice content. Jack writes for them as well, and he's been pushing out some great stuff. Uh, absolute honor. Uh, one of the best Nets websites out there, them, Nets Daily. I think they're the two unparalleled sources when it comes to Nets news, Nets analysis. Uh, real honor to be partnering up with them, and uh, it's going to bring bigger and better things to the buzz. Exactly. I'm really looking forward to bringing on a lot of the Nets Republic staff, getting more takes about the Nets and stuff. So you guys should be excited about that. And as always, you can check out the show still on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, OTGBasketball.com, YouTube, and as well, like I mentioned, you can find us on Nets Republic now. But Jack, like you mentioned, the Jimmy Butler news, it kind of came out of nowhere in a way, but it really didn't because there has been rumblings that Butler might request a trade. We knew that relationship was kind of toxic, including Towns and Wiggins and then even at Tibbs trying to fend that thing up. But I think the big news for us as Nets fans and being excited about is Jimmy Butler had a list of teams he wanted to go to. And that list was the New York Knicks, the Los Angeles Clippers, and the Brooklyn Nets. And this is really the first time in a long time we've heard a player request a trade to the Nets. And it just feels good to have a big name want to come to Brooklyn. Yeah, I think Pooch put it out there that basically Dwight Howard was the only person who requested a trade to the Brooklyn Nets and maybe ever. Um, so it's to have such a I, – I mean, we were doing last night, me, you, and Corey were doing our top 20, top 50 players for OTGBasketball.com, which will be coming out really soon. Um, and we were fretting about where Jimmy Butler was, and you know he's around that top 10, top 15 range. So for the Nets to be on a list of teams – 
Um, it, it's pretty surprising, to be honest, because when I saw that three teams, I was like, oh, yeah. Um, and I think we were sort of getting at it a little bit in the Twitter DMs with some of our OTG stuff. I'm like, oh, it'll be Boston. It'll be the Lakers. It'll be, you know, the Clippers or someone else. It'll be the Knicks. And then our Nets popped up, and it was just uh, a bit of a shock. And my brain went into overdrive, and I spent the next two and a half hours and, <laughs> on, on uh, Twitter. And it was just uh, – it was interesting to see the, the takes from uh, people in the Nets know uh, and people outside that Twitter sphere uh, of Brooklyn Nets. It was uh, a fun and wild time, as it generally is, when uh, a superstar announces their intentions to, to leave their franchise. Yeah, and I think Butler, you know, looking at the decision, the teams he chose, you know, some it had to do with future situations, you know, the cap space, obviously the big city. But I think the potential of bringing another star with him if he were to go with, you know, go to one of these teams, you know, next year in free agency, he knows the Nets have money. They can offer him a big contract. They could offer maybe Kyrie or one of his other friends a contract. So I thought that was important in that. But like you said, it's been a long time. I mean, you think Dwight, you think before that, you know, they were in the Carmelo Anthony sweepstakes, but really not a lot of big names have wanted to come to the Nets. Obviously in Brooklyn, it's a little bit different now. And hopefully Sean Marks and Kenny Atkinson are kind of changing the vibe around the Nets. And also, like you said, Jack, one thing I thought was interesting is seeing all the takes about who the Nets should trade and whatnot from non-Nets, you know, writers or podcasters or even fans, because a lot of people don't have a good feel for the Nets and what the organization is doing. So I thought that was very interesting. Yeah, it certainly was. Uh, Put one thing to you, Nick. Is this a sign of things to come for the Brooklyn Nets organization? Are we now putting our name on the map as a destination team or is the the Jimmy Butler thing a one-off? Or is it sort of what we were talking about, you know, off-wax last night with Corey and and some other guests um, uh, about the fact that these new superstars have different intentions and, you know, then Brooklyn Nets just happen to be one of those teams with all the things that you mentioned about salary cap space or all those other things. Um, Or is it a combination of all of them? I think it's a combination. I also wouldn't be surprised if Jimmy Butler has heard about the Nets performance team. Like that would not surprise me. I know people have kind of been like, oh, everybody has a performance team. They're all good, blah, 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 blah. But I think that would be a concern of Butler. Obviously having the injuries, which we'll talk about a little bit. You know, he's only played over 70 games twice in his career. So I think he's a little bit worried about the knees and his health, and he looks like he wants to compete and play basketball for a long time. Wouldn't be surprised if that had an impact as well. But I think it's a combination of things, the cap space, the city. You know, there is some young players in the team and just the potential of building your old team. And I always thought this about the Brooklyn Nets in general, just being a newer franchise, obviously New Jersey Nets and then continuing in Brooklyn. You could be that guy. When someone thinks of the Brooklyn Nets, they think of, you know, this big star player and you lead this team to a deep playoff run. I mean, we think New Jersey Nets were thinking Jason Kidd and he was just announced number one in franchise history as the best player, you know, by the Nets. So I think you look at it moving forward. You could be this guy who kind of sets history for the Brooklyn Nets in Brooklyn, in Barclays Center. I think it could be a really nice accomplishment and help you in your Hall of Fame type career if that's what you're looking to do. Yeah, I think you could also say the same thing for the Knicks and it might even be, uh, a completely different conversation. Um, you know, you win a championship for the New York Knicks, it, it changes everything. The Nets uh, as well. And uh, I think a, a little bit of an underrated storyline as well is the fact that the the Nets and Knicks are both on, on Jimmy Butler's list. Now, obviously, a list uh, means nothing when we saw what happened with Kyrie Irving last year. But the fact that those teams are on the list, if the Nets were somehow to lure Jimmy Butler and, and offer the, the package that, that lands him, they would almost become the the, the team of the city. Um, yeah. This season, at least, you know, we, we see Kevin Knox, we see Frank Nilakina doing all these nice things. Pozingas ain't coming back for a while. And if Jimmy Butler goes and pulls on the black and white, he brings the cachet back to Brooklyn. And he makes, we've always been the little brother to, to the New York Knicks. And, you know, we've, we've felt that brunt for quite a while as, as fans and as pundits. 
So I think that that's an underrated storyline as well that I'm sure, you know, there might be some underlying influence from Joseph's side, some of the ownership to sort of go to Marks and like, look, we can get a superstar now. It's not necessarily going to be the same thing with Mikhail Prokof and Billy King uh, because I think that Joseph Sy knows what Sean Marks can do and is going to let him do his job. But at the same time, we were the, I think I mentioned this before in Brooklyn Buzz, we were the least, the, the second least uh, attended team all of last season. Jimmy Butler automatically would bring us near the top half. You know, Barclays Center is a wonderful uh, facility, a wonderful, um, a wonderful a stadium and all the other things around it. It's it's just a bumping stadium. And despite the fact that they don't play country music for Jimmy Butler, um, I'm sure he would, I'm sure he'd still enjoy it. So I think that that's a little bit of a, a sort of battle of the apples, as I like to say, the apple fight. I think it would give us a little bit of a one nil, a little bit of a tick for the Nets if that were to happen. Yeah, it definitely would. And, you know, like I said, there's not much history with the Brooklyn Nets. Moving to Barclays Center not that long ago, I think bringing Jimmy Butler would definitely help against the Knicks. And then it also will help in the case of bringing in a free, agency, uh, free agent over the summer. You know, you already have the guy there. He can kind of convince them and tell them all these great things about the facility, about Kenny and the staff and all those things. So I think it would definitely help maybe get him in sooner than later. But we'll kind of talk about the breakdown and ways that he can kind of come over here. But overall, what would you say? I would say it's a W for the Nets just being on the list, even if nothing else comes of it. Yeah, because if you already see these top guys, you know, the next wave of superstars saying that they want to be on the Nets, you know, it's a tick because it's going to be like, oh, well, if Jimmy Butler wants to go there, then maybe, you know, Chris Middleton and these lesser tiers that we are, well, if Jimmy Butler wants to go there, maybe I want to go. Or if Kyrie might see that, obviously one of his best friends. Kevin Durant could sneakily see it as well. I'm not sure of his relationship with Jimmy Butler, but the fact that they are on now the market, you know, the, the Nets have obviously been the brunt of many jokes over the past half decade. But now we're putting our name on the, the you know, the the landscape, the lands overall in the NBA landscape. It's just going like, look, we're not the, the little brother anymore. We're not going to take your jabs anymore. We're we're a franchise that's ready to make an impact, and this is just the the first step of many to sort of get, regaining that reputation that we we so have sought over so many years. Honestly, last night it felt like that's the most tweets I ever saw about the Nets from non-Nets writers and, you know, podcasters yeah. and stuff. It was like general NBA guys were talking about the Nets a lot. And it just you felt like a lot of hype around Brooklyn and the future that they can have. But let's talk about Jimmy Butler a little bit uh, as the player. You know, 29 years old, just turned 29, I think, like six days ago. Uh, 22 points per game, five rebounds, four assists. You know, field goal percentage right around 47%. 35% from three. Doesn't shoot a ton from three. Only three, 3.4 attempts last year. What are your thoughts on the player he is? You know, you mentioned earlier, top 15, top 10 player. What can he bring to the Nets on the floor? For people, I mean, most people are pretty uh, knowledgeable about his game, but what are your thoughts about it? Yeah, for me, he's the second best two-way player in the game, Nick. Uh, I think other than Kawhi Leonard at his best. Uh, last season, I think Jimmy Butler was easily that uh, clutch player. Uh, a guy that we can, you know, throw the ball to in the, in the clutch and just go, bang, get us a bucket, Jimmy. Uh, and, and the same thing when it comes to defensive end. You know, chuck him on a LeBron James. Chuck him on a Kevin Durant. Uh, Jimmy Butler is one of the best defenders. Uh, and he does leave his all out there on the floor. Um, I, I think that you cannot question his his on-court presence, but his off-court issues uh, are obviously, you know, evidence. Uh, and they've been evident since his Chicago days and, and have lingered, obviously, going into Minnesota. But what he does out there on the court, you know, he is an all-NBA caliber player. Uh, I think he's a two-time All NBA player, uh, All NBA player, and he's going to be an All Star if he does head it back to the East uh, in an absolute heartbeat. But I think he is, uh, and he would be one of the best Eastern Conference players, probably top three, top four. Um, you know, with Joel Embiid, Giannis, Kawhi Leonard, Kyrie. 
if he were to head back to the East, I think that would be a real coup, not just for the Eastern Conference, it would also make the Nets, you know, a playoff team. But I don't think you can question, you know, what Jimmy Butler does on the court. It's the off-the-court stuff that, that worries me a little bit. And uh, I think we'll get into that a little bit as well. But what do you think of his on-court sort of presence? Pretty much everything you just said, Jack. I think one thing that always stuck out to me about Jimmy Butler is the competitiveness. Like you can yeah. tell he wants to win. He can grind out games. I can't remember. This is a, his time in Chicago. There was a game where he had like a couple points in the first half. You know, the Bulls were struggling. Then in the fourth quarter, he dropped 20 plus, got the team a win, hit a ton of clutch baskets. He's just a guy that I think just really wants to win. And you mentioned the off the court stuff is a little concerning, but on the court, like you said too, the two way player. I love two way players. I love guys who can defend. And, you know, we know at the press conference with Sean Marks and Kenny. Atkinson big talk was defense Jimmy Butler comes over here he's going to improve the defense not only from his actual play but the mentality he brings I think will rub off on the other guys so I think as a player standpoint there's really nothing not to like other than maybe the age and the minutes you know Bobby Marks I think tweeted out he's been in the top 10 and uh, he's a top 10 in minutes over the last five seasons top five I think I think uh, well I think he was six in one of those seasons I remember looking at that and I, I tweeted out I think every season he's been top four bar one when he was six so you know, he plays a lot of minutes per game. We know that. You know, obviously, he, his durability is going to be questionable. But is that a product of where he is, you know, being with Coach Thibodeau, uh, Fred Hoiberg, and what is asked of him? Because we know Coach Kenny and what he likes to do with his players. He likes to ease the load somewhat. He talks about the performance star. You know, I think that Jimmy Butler within the Nets would be a different sort of a different sort of Jimmy on the court, and you know, in terms of his body as well, we could probably get the best out of him. I have the faith in in our sort of star, but at the same time, uh, I think it's the mentality: is he going to buy into a culture, or is he going to want the culture to buy in and and go around him? Uh, I think that's the real question about him. Yeah, exactly, and I think that's a concerning thing. And then you mentioned too is the the thing is that he was so high in minutes, and like I mentioned earlier in the show. Over his career in seven seasons, he's only played over 70 games twice. So mm. there obviously is injuries. He's always banged up. Like we said, he's a very competitive guy, but you want to see your guy on the floor. And if he were to go to the Nets, I know this is getting ahead of ourselves, and they wanted to sign him to the new contract, I think it would be somewhere around five years, $190 million. And the last two years of that contract are $40 mil and $43.2 mil. That's a lot of money to give somebody at the age of, I think, like 34, uh, 33, 34, 35 around there. That's, yeah. that's a big paycheck to give someone. Obviously, the Rockets are going to be in a similar uh, situation with Chris Paul, but definitely to consider when you're making a move like that. I mean, it's why, like we mentioned, it's why Jimmy listed those three teams. They give him the best chance of earning a massive payday. You know, he's not this number one lottery pick that's sort of earned his keep. And, you know, I guess if you want to compare him to Andrew Wiggins, who there's been, you know, a significant rift with, which we've seen uh, quite evidently play itself out in the past 24 hours. You know, number one pick sort of coasted his way, so to speak. Whereas Jimmy Butler is sort of at the fight and earn his way into making his own keep. And, and that's just how he's been brought up. And that's his mentality. It's good and bad. Uh, it's been to his own detriment, but it's also what's gotten to being a top 10 player in the NBA today and what will likely earn him a, a supermax somewhere, whether the Nets offer him that, um, I, I question. Uh, but at the same time, you know, the Clippers, the Knicks, there are going to be other teams lingering around there. I wouldn't discount the Indiana Pacers, the Utah Jazz, the Detroit Pistons. Jimmy Butler is, a, is an absolute star, and I think that uh, there will be plenty of teams knocking. It'll just be about the package offered and whether Tibbs is willing to take that on board. Before we talk any more about packages, let's get back to some of the off-the-court stuff. Obviously, this has been a concern. This is why he's requesting a trade. You know, the relationship between him and Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins has been not great, and there's been plenty of news and rumors all summer long about it. What are your thoughts about what he does off the court? 
seems like the only teammate friend he has over his like past three seasons was like Dwayne Wade. And yeah. like Dwayne Wade has a very similar sort of killer mentality on the court. You know, he wants everyone to sort of give their best and, you know, it's all or nothing. Whereas I think the lackadaisical nature, you know, obviously of guys like Cat who maybe not, maybe don't have that sort of killer mentality that Jimmy does, but it could also be, you know, just the fact that they're a little bit more chill. Um, and, and I think that that isn't necessarily a bad thing. Uh, you can interpret it how you want. But I think Jimmy Butler, the teammate, is a real question going in, uh, into wherever he lands. I think when it comes to the Nets, when it comes to the Knicks, in terms of the younger sort of guys around him, especially guys like D'Lo, like Karras, Spencer, uh, Jared Allen, uh, if, he can, if he rubs off on those guys the wrong way, uh, and we've sort of given up some assets in the sense for a one-year rental, uh, but that's the thing. I don't think that Jimmy... Uh, I think that Jimmy is likely to buy in because... This, these are the teams that are going to offer him the money. And if they can do that, he's going to want to buy in for that because I think he knows what's on the other side. You know, he wants that sort of extended contract, the $40, $45 million a year that's on the table. So I think it's going to be an interesting thing of like what we hear from, from the man himself. Obviously, we saw the hallelujah post on Instagram yesterday <laughs> in relation to the Andrew Wiggins rift and his brother. Um, obviously, it's childish to say the least, but I live for the pettiness in the NBA. It's part of what um, makes the NBA talk so fun and why we can have a podcast about it. But at the same time, the maturity levels he has and can he be uh, a good enough teammate to sort of where he has an impact on positively? Uh, he hasn't proven that in his time in Chicago. He hasn't proven that in his time in Minnesota. Uh, it's a real question mark going into Brooklyn and what we're trying to build as well. Yeah, and that's something that's definitely to consider when you think of Sean Marks and all of the press conferences and quotes we've heard from him about culture and making sure it's a great environment. And it is kind of nervous bringing in somebody who hasn't got along with the past teammates. And like I mentioned to you off air, you know, some things in Chicago, the front office didn't necessarily treat him great. And in Minnesota, we don't really know if Cat or Wiggins, you know, put in the work or they play defense because there's high expectations for both those guys. And I think we'd both agree they haven't hit those expectations yet. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and I think it relates to a little bit um, our new partner, Nets Republic. They put out a tweet. Uh, Would deviating for Brooklyn's brand, i.e. trading for Jimmy Butler, be worth it if the Nets miss out on Kyrie in the summer? You know, if we were to get just Jimmy and then we gave up all these assets and we didn't get the second free agent that we wanted, is that worth it in the end? Now, the majority of people who I believe are very smart, who, are, who do follow Nets Republic and are listeners to the buzz, um, said no, 64%. Uh, so it's a, it's a pretty overwhelming majority. So I think you have to weigh up all these factors. That's what Sean Marks is going to be doing. And as it leads to our, our sort of conversation when we talk about the packages, I think that's going to be the key thing. You know, if we don't have to give up too much, then I'm all in for, for getting Jimmy because at the end of the day, you know, the Nets want to be uh, a real playoff contender. And without the superstar talent, that's not going to happen. You, you might be a fringe playoff contender in the East, but we don't want to be a Charlotte, a Detroit. We want to be in that top four with the, the Toronto, with the Philadelphia, with Boston. So I think you need the superstar talent for that. So it's a, certainly a, a very much a, a, balancing, a balancing act. Yeah, I think I would feel pretty confident in getting another star if we were to bring Jimmy along. Like, I would feel that if someone would come along, now the decision comes is, do you let go of D'Lo and you sign Kyrie or is there another guy coming along or do you have to move Alan Crabb to make up some more uh, cap space and whatnot? So I think there's a lot of different avenues. I think the one thing that I would look at, you know, Karras and Jared Allen don't really strike me as guys that are really like pushing the locker room or talk a lot or have someone might not get a, agree with them and whatnot. But I think D'Angelo and Jimmy Butler, how they would mesh. 
You know, obviously there's always been criticism of D'Angelo and his defense and whatnot. Now him and Jimmy Butler are going to get along, then everything will work out pretty well for the Nets. But if they don't, I think that could cause some really big problems and it could make Sean's, uh, Sean Mark's life a lot more difficult, especially in the off season. Yeah, and, and Coach Kenny's for sure, obviously. Yeah, you know, true that is, too. <laughs> he, yeah, he is an inexperienced coach despite all he's done so far. You know, the ups and the downs, obviously, as well. Uh, you take into account the the, the prior relationship that Dilo has with Kat, you know, a, a very good friend of D'Angelo from what we know. We've talked about him on the, on the buzz before, and obviously Jimmy didn't necessarily get along with him so well. It seems like that it's a, it was a strained relationship. Um, we don't know, obviously, the inner workings and what was happening behind the scenes, but you know that might even have an effect as well. Um, the most recent thing I saw, uh, I tweeted out of Delo was um, he was actually training out with uh, Kenneth Freud. So they're at least establishing a relationship. And I think you, we've mentioned this, and I think Marks has mentioned it, and Coach Kenny's mentioned it, the leadership that Delo is taking on. Jared Dudley's spoken about it as well. Uh, I think that he's starting to mature, and, and that happens with age. That happens with experience. That happens with just life in general. When you're 18, 19, you're a completely different person to when you're 23, and that changes drastically to the person you are when you're 27, 28. So I think it's just a natural process for Delo in terms of discovering who he is, not only as a player, but as a person. And I think... Brooklyn is the is the perfect situation for him to figure that out. Uh, if you add in Jimmy Butler to that situation, is it going to be a help or a hindrance? Um, it's just there are just so many questions surrounding this, and you know I think it comes down to for me the the packages that are on the table, um, and, and I, I guess we'll we'll talk about that. Uh, further. Well, that's the next question right there, Jack. What is the best package you'd be willing to offer the Timberwolves for Jimmy Butler? Uh, for me, I'm. I'm a person that believes in in D'Angelo. Uh, I know so many people. I've listened to probably three or four podcasts today who are just flippantly throwing in D'Lo and Karis LeVert like it's no one else's business. Uh, obviously, they don't watch as much Nets basketball as we do and, and our listeners. And I think that they just don't have the respect or, or the knowledge of what Coach Kenny and Shaw Marks have given up to develop these guys. And I think that they have a, a real buy-in for them. Um, I'm, I would love if we could somehow get him for a Damari and Ronde or a Damari or a Crab and a Ronde or something around those lines. Um, but I think it's unlikely. You maybe chuck in the Nets first rounder, which I think will obviously be a little bit worse. Uh, or if you want to chuck in the Denver first rounder, I wouldn't chuck in both because it's been so freaking long since we've had a first round pick. Um, so I think it'd be something around those lines. Uh, it pains me to say that I just can't put in Karras. Uh, not just Love for you, Jack. Love you. <laughs> not just for you, my friend, but I think because I think Karras is the perfect sort of complimentary guy, and I don't think you chuck away those pieces. Uh, Minnesota have, have said to be coveted him for for quite a while. Uh, I'm not sure how much Tibbs does because we know how much Tibbs loves his young guys, and I'm doing air quotes on a, <laughs> a an audio podcast right now, so it doesn't really make a lot of sense. Sarcasm doesn't come across very well on podcasts sometimes, uh, but I am being uh, I am being so. So I think for me. If we can keep Karis Jarrett, D'Lo, make the deal. Because I think, you know, Damari Carroll's an expiring. And if we could somehow flip Damari Carroll's salary dump into Jimmy Butler and a first rounder from Toronto, uh, Sean Marks's wizardry would just take on a new level. It's Harry Potter-like. Um, but what about you, mate? Could you give up any of those guys? No, I agree with you, Jack. I think you do not include, you know, D'Angelo. You don't include Karras, and you don't include Jared Allen. I think for, you know, D'Angelo, they obviously talk the hype about him and the growth he can have, and there's still potential to be an all-star. And like we've talked about is the stint he had last year before he was injured. He looked like he was at that almost all-star level. The efficiency obviously needed to get better. And then Karis LeVert and Jared Allen. 
I just think they're too young. They've already shown a lot of improvement in your system and your organization. Like you don't move guys like that. And like I mentioned to you too off the pod, uh, when you're looking to sign big max guys, you know, let's say the Nets were to go out there and get Jimmy Butler in, let's say Kawhi Leonard, just hypothetically, you know, best case scenario or something. Now you need to fill out the rest of the roster. Now you have Jared Allen and Karis LeVert on super small rookie contracts. And then let's say you get capped out because if you're maxing out Kawhi and Jimmy Butler and then re-signing D'Angelo or something along those lines, now cap space is not going to be available for a long time. So now you have Karras and you have Jared Allen and you'll have them as restricted free agents when their contract runs out. So now the team can keep getting better because you have these young guys and you don't have to worry about losing them. So you can keep a young core and an old core together at the same time without losing assets and keeping yourself in a really nice position. And then hypothetically, if a bigger trade came along, let's say if they sign a big free agent and maybe another big free agent and then they want to make a trade for the next star that becomes on the market, now you still have young assets to trade. Kind of similar to a situation that Boston's in where they kept their young assets, they also got the big names, and now their team is looking great for the next 10 years. Yeah, I think the, uh, a little sort of sub note with that is Spencer Dinwiddie status. Obviously, I know a lot of people aren't a huge fan of Dinwiddie, but he is a coveted trade asset. I think he could be chucked in, uh, obviously, due to his very low cap hold, and he's on one of the best deals in the league right now in terms of uh, money to production but at the same time if the Nets were sort of to do a similar thing to Boston and sign him to a similar sort of mid-tier deal Josh Richardson sort of scale deal 10 to 12 10 to 13 million dollars per season for a couple of seasons there's a sort of nice assets for some cap filler but the Nets mm-hmm. have plenty of cap filler right now in the sense with Damari Carroll with Kenneth Fareed uh, with Alan Crabb those are sort of three pieces that you're looking at to sort of make up the money for a guy like Jimmy Butler who's at around 20 to 21 million dollars so um, I think that if you know if you had a if you had to make me give up one of those guys, it'd probably have to be you know Carlos Levert, just partly because you know the Nets have given up so much already, and Sean Marks has sort of he sort of started his legacy with the D'Angelo trade. Carlos uh, Levert, meanwhile, wasn't necessarily actually wasn't necess- no. Carlos was his first trade, mind you. Sorry, yeah, the the Thaddeus Young. Sorry. Um, so I guess that leaves my uh, further point null and void. Um, but yeah, I think it's. It's hard to say, but, you know, I'm a massive Jared Allen fan. It's like trying to trade away one of my sons. I can't do it, Nick. Um, and I think that we, because we're so invested, it's hard for us to sort of see it as from an outsider's perspective. But at the same time, you know, if you have to guarantee that Kyrie's coming, then, yeah, probably you do get rid of D'Lo. And maybe D'Lo and Kat, you know, they have a nice little bromance out there in Minnesota. And, you know, I'd probably, it'd probably pain me to see because I think D'Lo would be really nice out there. Uh, I think Thibodeau would be a horrible coach for him. And he's proven that, that, you know, Thibodeau, other than Jimmy Butler, cannot coach young guys. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be hard to see if one of these young guys go. And even Rondo, who we, you know, uh, sort of flippantly just chucked in there, he was the one that commented on one of Jimmy Butler's Instagram posts saying, come on home. Um, so at the same time, it, it's just hard to sort of finagle a trade that, you know, satisfies Nets fans, satisfies Minnesota, but they're certainly within the range. They have the assets to do so. It's going to be, you know, who has, uh, I think right now, the Nets and the, the teams, you know, on the other side of Minnesota have the leverage because of what Jimmy Butler has come out and said. And, you know, Tom Thibodeau isn't necessarily a front office mastermind. So I think, you know, guys like, um, you know, the, the front office of Los Angeles, even the Knicks who are certainly giving themselves a little bit more uh, credence with what they've been doing. And of course, our Nets, you know, they're obviously the three teams in the, in the running right now. But don't, you know, sleep on plenty of the other teams who are going to be in the background going, okay, well, what can we come up with? Because Boston came in and slipped and, and took Kyrie. So I think that there's 
going to be plenty of other suitors, but our nets are certainly in there. Um, if you put a percentage on it, Nick, or rank those three teams in terms of likelihood, um, where are the nets in there? Um, I just want to touch on one more thing before I give you that. And you mentioned Spencer Dinwiddie in there. I yep. mentioned this to you before. I wouldn't be surprised if Dinwiddie was sent to another team and given another asset sent back to the Minnesota. You know, the Suns have been interested in him. Other teams around the league, like you said, that contract is really great. And, you know, I don't want to seem like I'm not willing to trade the Nets young players or assets for good players. I just think the fact that Jimmy Butler is on a one-year deal and it's expiring and there's all these question marks about him in the locker room and all the question marks of having to pay him this $190 million contract, I think it makes it less enticing. Where so if, you know, Jimmy Butler, let's say, was 26 years old, entering the prime of his career, didn't have the injury history, and he was on contract for three years, I think I'm more okay with maybe moving in one of the top assets. But I think the fact that it's expiring – I would kind of be like, you know what, I don't know. And then obviously all the question marks about Jimmy. But to get to your question, Jack, reports from Woj seem like Butler's most interested in going to the Clippers. Yeah. So from my perspective, I guess I would have to put the Clippers at the highest. So let's put the Clippers at 40%, and then we'll put the Nets and the Knicks, I think, both at 30%. Because I don't think the Knicks and the Nets are like, oh, yeah, we want to, we're going to like ruin our young core and go get Jimmy Butler. I think both GMs, you know, have made it clear that they're kind of more so interested in the patient route. But if Butler's willing to come for a good price, why not make the move? But I don't think they're going to trade any of their big pieces to get Butler. Where so when I look at the Clippers, the Clippers seem less interested in patience. They look like they want to get better now and they want to sign a big time free agent next summer. Steve Ballmer is like talked about wanting to win and being competitive. I wouldn't be surprised if the Clippers are the most aggressive team. So I would say they're the highest. And I think the Knicks and the Nets are around the same tire. Yeah, I'd probably change it slightly. I got 40% for, for the Clippers and maybe, uh, or maybe 45 for the Clippers, 30 for the Nets and 25 for the Knicks. I think the Knicks, obviously, we saw what happened at that sort of town hall meeting and sort of Fisdale and Mills uh, sort of saying, you know, we're not trading first round picks. We're not, we're sort of saying steadfast uh, with our vision. Uh, it seems very unlikely that it's going to happen. I can't sort of see what a deal would, would center around uh, Courtney Lee, you know, uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. Uh, just hard, you'd be hard pressed to take that as a deal. But um, John Krasinski, uh, you know, the athletics um, Minnesota writer, had a very vague tweet he just put out about 15 minutes ago. He said, in canvassing the league, there are a number of teams interested in Jimmy Butler. Not all of them would need assurances that Butler will sign long-term. Still unsure if Tibbs will change his stance and start engaging in trade talks. So somewhat vague, but, you know, we were talking about the fact that Jimmy signing long-term would have to be sort of a factor for, for some of the teams. Um, I think the reason he listed our teams, those three teams, is because they could sign him long-term. Obviously, the, when you have a star on the market, you make it work and, you know, uh, the ownership will be going, okay, well, if we have this guy, if he's selling tickets, you know, if Detroit could somehow get their third star, you know, it sort of makes them, you know, a destination where they can maybe even push for a top four, top five seed, then they start selling tickets. And of course, they might want to go into the luxury tax. Um, Toronto has been mentioned, go all in. Toronto as well, you know, Kawhi and Jimmy Butler, that'd be an absolute beast of a of a front and backcourt, you know, with those guys and yelling Kyle Lowry. Uh, it'd be pretty insane with those sort of guys. So I think that there are plenty, despite the fact that Jimmy listed three teams, I think that it's upward of 10 teams that will be in the running for, for a guy of Jimmy Butler's services. But um, it'll be wait and see. Um, did you mention the fact that it was Monday that Jimmy Butler said he wanted this to get done? Yeah, he wanted it to get traded by Monday. But I mean, we don't think it'll I mean, I don't personally think it'll happen unless something were to happen really quick and one team were to get aggressive. Like you said, I wouldn't be surprised if a team off the list made an aggressive pitch similar to what OKC did with Paul. 
Paul George, it could end up working out. I think from another positive perspective for the Nets and Knicks and the Clippers, even if he's traded to one of these other teams, you feel pretty confident that you could get a meeting in free agency now. Yeah, that's a very good point. You know, the fact that we could wait it out and, you know, if we're not because, you know, obviously what people are talking about is the fact that, you know, you don't want to destroy the franchise you're going to. You want them to be at their strongest so you can compete with those pieces. You know, if Jimmy really, really wants to go to the Clippers or the Nets or the Knicks, then he could wait it out, you know, spend a spend a season or spend a season in Detroit or in Utah or in Indiana and then go, yeah, it was kind of fun, but I kind of wanted to be with these guys in the first place. And I told you that in the first place. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Um, does Tibbs change his stance? You know, I think Tom Thibodeau being the front office, the head of the front office, as well as the coach, you know, he's going to be looking to save his job. You know, the full access hoops boys, you know, headed by Corey, put him on the hot seat. We did so on JBT as well. Um, I think Tom Thibodeau, whatever job he has next season, um, he's certainly going to be on the hot seat as well in terms of what he's, and the moves that he makes. He's going to be competing uh, Tom Thibodeau is a rebuilding coach. Uh, doesn't seem to really... <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't uh, sound good. <laughs> no, it doesn't mesh well at all. So I, I think it's certainly a watch this space. Uh, insert eyes emoji on every single little tweet, Instagram post, Twitter DM, um, and, and any sort of post that we see coming. Um, we'll be putting on OGG Basketball, our personal Twitter pages as well. Uh, but it's going to be a, a fun few days and a fun couple of weeks heading into training camp. The yeah. season's rapidly approaching, but there's still ridiculous amounts of stuff happening and we thought the Kyrie trade happened late last year we could see a Jimmy Butler trade happen this week and really mess things up in all the previews we just did on the outlet but you know I'm sure we're going to have more pods and shows about Jimmy Butler but that wraps up for today as always Jack a pleasure talking hoops with you and like we mentioned before we <coughs> excuse me like we mentioned before we'll now be partnering up with Nets Republic so check us out on there check out all their great content and you can find the show on iTunes blog talk radio ochibasketball.com Nets Republic and Dash Radio Watch this space.